Before we get into the message this morning, I want to give you an update on, on the building. In, on the back of your bulletin, there's an update that, uh, you know, we said that we would update you on that once a month. And this is the second month uh, into this program. And if you're new, uh, we'll give you a little bit of information about it. Basically, we uh, felt the Lord led us to uh, start a building project. We're going to be putting a building right out here to the to my left of, of the current building. It's going to be for our youth and children's ministries. We're currently using every room that we have available in, in the church and then also the Common Grounds house next door. The class that Pastor Joe is leading is over there because there is nowhere to have it in here. Um, all the rooms are being used for our children's ministries. Um, and even on Wednesday night, along with the kids programs, we've even got life groups meeting up here. So good problem to have, but that's why we're, we're building that. In the month of September, we um, took in and then allocated uh, almost $12,000 uh, to the new building. Uh, you can see the phase one plan. We need $260,000. we have now received just under $232,000. So before the phase one completes, we would need an additional $28,000. But that's still a ways out. So I don't see there being any problem in that. But that's that's just where we are financially. Um, and then the where we stand in the process is the, the final architectural diagrams are about 30% complete. And as those get completed, then we'll send out for final bids to multiple contractors. And then we will actually start construction, but we'll again, keep you posted as we go through that. I did just want to remind you of the scripture at the bottom. This is what we, the scripture that we felt the Lord give us. It's Exodus 25, one through two. It says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me. And this was something that the Lord spoke to Moses when they were going to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. And it was basically their church. Um, And so he just said, Tell the people to pray and whatever I put on your heart, that's what they need to give. And so that's the way we felt the Lord has said that we're going to build this building. It's uh, just pray, seek the Lord, what he would have you give toward that. And we believe he's going to provide and he'll provide it as needed. The one last thing that I wanted to clarify on when we when we said it uh, a month or so ago, the first time, one of the things that I don't think I mentioned was really, even though we said we aren't taking debt and we're going to build it, as fast as he builds it, all that's true. But we really feel like God's kind of given us a timeline in essence that we don't see it taking more than about two or so years. If, if we had all the money today and we're building it absolutely as fast as we could, it would take about a year. And so we believe that in the time that it's going to take to do it. And then also with the finances that God's going to provide the finances some way, he's the provider, not us. Um, and he's going to do that, you know, within about two years. So that's what we feel is going to happen and that he's speaking. And so it's not something way far out that, you know, your children are never going to get to, to use. I really believe it's going to be something that happens pretty quickly. And I know our children's ministries and workers and youth and everybody is excited about it and ready to get into it because we, we have the need and we believe it's going to be a ministry to this community, not only for our kids, but literally for generations to come. And we're excited about that. If you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to John chapter 21. And we're going to get there in just a moment. Uh, last week, if, if you weren't here or if you were, just to be reminded, we talked about Jesus's call to the disciples and to us to follow him. And what that call requires of us. And we we saw how the disciples both obeyed that call and how they disobeyed that call. 
they literally ran away and denied him in his uh, biggest time of need. When he needed them the most, and even beforehand, he was asking them to pray with him, and he actually asked them twice, and they fell asleep rather than being able to stay awake and pray with him before he was going to get tortured and go to the cross. And then when he went to the cross, they literally all fled and left him alone. And this wasn't a surprise to him. As we saw last week, he told them that's what was going to happen. But if you remember, Peter said, no, they might all leave you, but I won't. And then, of course, all the other disciples turned in, no, we won't either. And, and then they all run away. And so that's what we, we saw last week. So this morning, if you found John chapter 21, we're going to pick up there in verse 3. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen. But we're going to read through this whole story at once, and then we'll come back and, and look at the big picture, and I'll highlight a few things. Um, but this, this story is picking up after Jesus' crucifixion and after his resurrection. It's basically how Jesus interacts with Peter after he denied him, not once, but three times. So John 21, verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, and he's talking to the other disciples, I'm going to go fishing. And they said to him, well, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And that that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it is the Lord. By the way, the disciple that Jesus loved is John, who's writing this story. He, he had a high opinion of himself. And well, the next seven verses, I'm just going to quickly summarize. Basically, um, Peter, like always, gets really excited and just jumps in the water and swims to the shore, leaving all the work for the rest of the guys. He's like, y'all, y'all pull in the fish. Y'all bring in the boats. I'm going to go see Jesus. So he literally just dives in the water and swims in. And then the disciples get the nets up. They bring the boats in and then they have breakfast with Jesus. And this is where we pick up in verse 14. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Remember, John following them 
the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So I want us to walk out this morning understanding two things very clearly. And that's first, discipleship is relational. And second, all of our focus needs to be on following Jesus. We're going to look at the relational aspect first. When we started out in verse 3, we see Peter saying, hey, I, hey guys, I'm going to go fishing. And all the other guys are like, well, we don't have anything better to do. We'll go with you. And then it says they went out and they fished all night, but they didn't catch anything. And it's interesting here, as, as we all know, we're relational beings. We like to be in relationship with other people, even if we're um, kind of like to be by ourselves. Even most people that like to be by themselves at some point get to a point where they need to be around other people. And we're also kind of just leaning toward following people. Uh, we, we would tell our young kids and our, those teenagers, you know, don't hang around the wrong crowd. And that's really just another way of saying don't follow the wrong people. Because when we get around other people, we're going to become a follower. And we don't realize uh, that a lot of times that we're following people. And we also don't realize how many people are following us. And in this circumstance, Peter uh, doesn't know what to do. It says this is the third time Jesus appeared to him. So they've already seen Jesus twice after the resurrection. But now they're kind of on their own again. And he doesn't know what to do. He's not waiting on the Lord. He's not seeking the Father for where to go, what to do. And they're just sitting there and he doesn't know what to do. So he defaults back to what he knows how to do. He was a fisherman. So it's like, I, and, and we know also how um, he just kind of jumped into things. And he always had to be doing something like we just saw uh, in a moment. He's going to just jump in the water and leave everybody else behind and swim to Jesus. That's just the kind of guy he was. So he's like, I don't know what to do, but I want to do something so I'm going to go fishing. And immediately he attracted followers. The other disciples, including the disciple who Jesus loved. John is one of the ones who follows because we see later he's on the boat. You know, he's the one that says, hey, I think that's Jesus on the shore. And so they all follow Peter. And then they don't catch anything. And one of the things that we see here is that when we're doing things, uh, even things that we know how to do, things that we're gifted to do, things that God may have called us to do at one point, that was their livelihood. It was what they did. But when they went back to it on their own accord, they were unsuccessful. You know, before Jesus had taught them that he was the vine and they were the branches and apart from him, they could do nothing. Even what they knew how to do apart from Christ, we can't be successful in the kingdom of God. And they wanted to do this on their own. And so it says they fished all night long at something they knew how to do. This wasn't, they weren't just out fishing for the fun of it or for recreation. That was their livelihood. And immediately they were unsuccessful. I know I've found myself in situations like that. And I'm sure you have as well, where you're doing something you know how to do, but it just won't come together. 
Nothing you put your hands to is being successful. Everything is ending in frustration. And sometimes it's because we're doing something God hasn't called us to do. And then Jesus shows up and calls out to him. And he says, have you caught anything? Have you caught any fish? And of course they say no. And he tells them to throw the net on the other side. They've been fishing all night. Do you think they hadn't tried (laughs) throwing the net on the other side and swung the boat around and come over here and come over there? And, you know, it's like they've done this all night and hadn't caught anything. And here's some guy on the shore saying, hey, try the right side of the boat. And then you're going to catch some fish. You know, they had to be thinking, come on, we know what we're doing. There's just no fish out here. But it says they listen and they throw it out and immediately they don't just catch one fish. They don't catch a few fish. The whole net is full to the point they can't haul it in. And the lesson that we see in verse 6 is that we're never far from success when we take our orders from Jesus and we follow him. Jesus hadn't told them to go out on the boat fishing He hadn't given them that direction. They were unsuccessful. But the moment that he gave them a direction and they obeyed, they were instantly successful because they were listening to Jesus and they were following his command. Now, in this instance, success looked like catching a net full of fish. But that's not the point. If Jesus had told them to go fish, And they had fished all night and not caught anything. That would have been successful because he told them to do it. It wasn't about the result. It's who they were following. And at that moment when he told them to to throw the nets on the other side and they did and they caught the fish, it was just because they were following the word of Jesus Christ that it was successful. It had nothing to do with the fish. Jesus Christ, right before this story, had just followed the perfect will and direction of the Father, and it led him to the cross. We wouldn't call that successful. Jesus' own disciples tried to talk him out of it and said, No, far be it from you, Lord, this will not happen. And Jesus said, Satan, get behind me. You're looking at the things of man, not the things of God. We're following the Father. It's not about what I want or where I want to go. We go where he leads us. And Jesus was that perfect example who is now in us and with us to lead us where we're supposed to go. And all we have to do is follow him and we'll be successful in the kingdom of God. Literally, it will be his will on earth just like it is in heaven because we're following him. Then Jesus takes us back to the relationship aspect in verse 15. Remember I said it goes relational, follow, relational, follow. In verse 15, he asked Peter, do you love me more than these? There's speculation if you if you read this and study this, that when he asked that question, do you love me more than these? Is he saying, do you love me more than this boatload of fish that you just caught? Do you love me more than the occupation that you just seem to 
try to fall back into so quickly. It's like, well, this fishing for men that Christ called us to is really hard. I'm going to go back to fishing for fish. Some will say that he was asking if he loved him more uh, than he loved the little disciples, like fellowship with his other brothers. Or asking, do you love me more than those guys, these other disciples love me? And the truth is, I think you can make a case for the different, uh, those different things. Uh, but for those of you that were with us last week, you'll remember that the conversation that Peter had with Jesus, he literally said, all these other guys may deny you. They may fall away, but not me. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I will follow you wherever you go. Even if it means I have to die with you, I'll be there. And of course, Jesus told him, not going to happen, Peter. Not only are you going to deny me, you're going to deny me three times. And that's actually when he says, no, not even, even if I have to die. So Peter literally was saying, I love you and I will stick with you better than all these other guys, than all your other disciples, all your other followers. So I, I think there's a case to be made that Jesus is literally talking you know, saying, hey, remember, you said you loved me more than all these guys. And you ran away just like they did. You uh, fell away. You denied me not once, but three times. And now he gives them the opportunity to be restored. And he asks Peter over and over and over three times. Do you love me? And he literally says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, then he says, feed my lambs. And he says, do you love me? Then tend my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Those were all relational statements to uh, the brothers and sisters in Christ of the body. It wasn't, those questions weren't about uh, his relationship with Jesus. That was in the, do you love me? He's saying, do you love me? Do you have a relationship with me? And Peter would say, yes. Okay, then love and have a relationship with the disciples and with the body. So Jesus is telling Peter, you're responsible for taking care of your brothers and sisters. And we all are. It's interesting that the gospel of John doesn't end with the great commission like the gospel of Matthew does. The gospel of John actually doesn't include the great commission at all in, in the same manner. In the Great Commission, Jesus says that we're to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I think Jesus is communicating the same thing in John as he did in Matthew with these questions to Peter. This is how the Gospel of John ends. It's the last book of John. And he says, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Be in relationship. Care for one another. Baptize one another. Pray for each other. Obey everything that I taught you, that they could follow you doing what I taught you to do and what you're supposed to do. And don't forget, I will be with you. I'm not leaving you. And this story finishes with Jesus telling Peter to stick close to me. Follow me. 
In verse 19, Jesus reminds Peter to follow him. And his response is very interesting. We just read it a moment ago. It says they're walking together. And after saying all these things, after having this conversation, after him asking, you know, and restoring him, do you love me? And Peter saying yes, over and over and over. At the end of this conversation, Jesus tells Peter, follow me. And then it says he turned from Jesus and looks behind him at John. It's a lot like the story of Peter when he goes out on the water uh, and Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter, again, his his all in self says, hey, I want to go out there with you. And Jesus says, come on. So he gets out and he's walking and he's keeping his eyes on Jesus. And as long as his focus is on following Jesus, he's on top of the water. But it says he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks at the waves and looks at the wind and the circumstances. And he begins to sink. And then he calls out to Jesus and Jesus pulls him up and gets him in the boat and says, why did you have so little faith? Why did you take your eyes off me? And after all of those things, after everything he had been through, after being told he was going to deny him and and denying that he would deny him, but still doing that. And now Jesus has just restored him and he's walking with not not just the son of God before the resurrection, but after the crucifixion and resurrection, he's walking with Jesus Christ. And he just said, follow me. And he's looking at him in his face, in his eyes. And what does he do? He turns around and looks back at John. He says, what about that guy? Am I going to be higher than him? Do you love me more than him? What about him? And I love Jesus' response in verse 22. He says, what is that to you, Peter? What is that to you? You follow me. Don't worry about John. Don't worry about the other guys. Don't worry about the circumstances. Don't worry about the wind. Don't worry about the waves. Don't worry about anything else. All you have to worry about is following me. If you follow me, you're going to be successful in the kingdom. You're going to be where you're supposed to be. You're going to be doing what you're supposed to do. And it doesn't matter if we're in our job or if we're out reaching others for Christ. It doesn't matter what we're doing. They weren't outside of the will of God before he called them when they were fishermen. They were doing what God had gifted and called them to do. But once Jesus called them and said, follow me, now you're going to be fishers of men. He was taking them on a new journey. Each and every time God comes to you and says, follow me, we have to decide again. Am I going to leave behind what I've got right now and follow him? Am I going to be faithful To do what he's calling me to do. And that's what we have to do is follow him regardless of what anybody else around us is doing. I want to close this morning with a story about where we are today as a church and uh, and what I've been seeking the Lord for and direction in in 
July, it was the very beginning of July, I went away, uh, I think it was like three or four days, and just to pray and seek the Lord for direction for the church and for the body. And uh, Candy actually joined me for, for a day, day and a half of that as well. And we were praying for our family and for direction for that, which I would encourage any of you who are married um, to do that for your family. It's like, just, just pray with your spouse and say, God, what do you have for us? What do you have for our children? How can we lead them? What, how are you calling us to do this? And so that's what we were doing and, and what I did, praying for the church. And this was in a time when a lot of other things were going on in the church. And I've, I've shared some of it with you, but just to kind of take you back there, um, right around this time before, before I went away, um, our daycare director, Cody Tucker, had resigned and she was going to, to teach in the school system. And then Amanda Thomas, who was our children's director and administration and did all just all kinds of fantastic things here, uh, also took a job in the teaching system. And they were both following Christ. This was absolutely what God was calling them to do. And, and we were excited for them and thankful that they were listening and doing what he was calling them to do. But at the same time, from our side, we're like, ah, <laughs> these are important people here. When my first, uh, Cody resigned first, and literally my first thought was, man, that's going to be hard. She's fantastic, but Amanda's still here. So whoever comes in, they're going to be able to talk to her. She's going to be able to guide them through everything. And then like a week or two later, she comes in and says, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm going too. And then I was like, all my plans for how this is going to be okay, now it's not going to be okay anymore. But what it also made me realize is like, we're not, res- you know, we're not looking to any other people to do what God's calling us to do. God's doing the work in the daycare. God's doing the work in the church. We're just following him. And if all of us follow him, regardless of what the results look like, it's going to be what he's calling us to do. And so at the very, uh, so that's kind of what I went into that weekend, just like, Lord, what are we going to do here? And what are we going to do here? Uh, and what's your plan? Well, the very, it was literally like the last hour or two that I was there before I was going to come back. And God started speaking to me some very clear things. One of the things that I'd seen, and we, we were aware of this before, but we have a very kind of flat org chart um, where all of our ministry leads and, and life group leaders and all that kind of come up straight to me. And if you really lay it all out, like uh, our daycare director oversees close to 20 teachers. And then she reports directly to me. We've got a safety team that has 15 to 20 people on it. And that leader reports directly to me. Our uh, greeting team probably has 20, 20 plus, I don't know, somewhere around there. And then Randy and Sonia report to me. And so we have structures of, of organization and those, but you keep going out and all of them come up. So I, if you really lay it all out, I think I've got close to 50 <laughs> direct reports. Well, that's not possible, you know, not to manage well. Anybody who's ever led anything uh, knows that that's, that's not going to be good. And so that's kind of the way it was. And I, and I was just asking, Lord, what are we supposed to do with this? And he'd had us doing other things over the past four years, but it was become, becoming very apparent that this was now something that we were going to have to start dealing with. And, and he gave me a name at the very, just in the last couple of hours there. And I was like, okay, Lord, I was like that. I know he's a really great guy and a great leader, but I don't think there's any way he'd be interested in <laughs> helping us with, with this problem. And I was like, okay, well, you know, pray about it. And um, 
so so we did and talked to him and to the elders and um he turned out that he was interested after praying about it and talking to his wife and and so we have a new part-time position that we've created and the the person that um the lord laid on my heart was fernando ariano he's sitting over here in the purple shirt you can wave <laughs> wave hand fernando is uh one in has it been two months ago two months about he retired as a colonel um and yes yeah thank you yeah he is so was it 30 years 39 years yeah yeah for and so um amazing leader you know led many 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 uh soldiers and 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 done all kinds of different things and so anyway um it's like the lord worked worked all those things out and so he's going to be working for us part-time for about uh about three days a week helping me and pastor Daryl and the elders as we go through this process but what what i want to communicate to you is this is 100 percent about relationship we're we need to lead and we need to have people to follow in all of these different areas and 50 people trying to follow me is not good it's not good for me and it's not good for them. I cannot be relational with that many people. It's just not possible. And so we're going to be working on a structure that will put more leaders in place that will then be able to lead uh, those volunteers under them. And so uh, the other thing that God really showed me as, as we've kind of continued in this process was as the church grows and, and he has been blessing us and he has been bringing new people and visitors and, and just growing the congregation. But if we continue to grow, if we grow beyond the size that we can be relational to, we're going to start to shrink again. Because if people come in and they can't get into a relationship, they're not going to stay. And so, again, we're relational. We need relationship. We need to have people to walk with and to follow. And so our life group leaders need somebody to be able to walk closely with them. Our greeting team needs people that will be able to walk closely with them. Our safety team needs people that will walk closely with them from the top all the way down. In our life groups, even a life group with, that only maybe has 10 or 12 people, that's too many people for one person to closely walk in relationship with all those people. And next week's message, we're going to be getting into how we need to be in the type of relationship that we, we saw Jesus in, that you're literally walking with one, maybe two other people in a relationship where you're encouraging one another, praying for one another, lifting each other up, even admonishing one another. Sometimes we need to be told we're going off track. And you need someone close enough and trusted enough to be able to tell you that. But you have to be in a relationship for that to happen. And so as we go through this process, whether you're a leader or a volunteer or just maybe today is your first Sunday here. Um, but as you begin to get in relationship here at New Covenant Church, what I would pray is that you just have grace and mercy for us as we walk where God is calling us to walk and as we follow him. Because I know there's going to be times where, um, you know, it's like, well, this isn't the way we did it before. Or it doesn't, you know, I used to be able to talk to that person. Now I've got to talk to this person or, you know, all those things are going to happen. But I just want you to know that our heart is 100% about having a better relationship with each of you 
and helping you to have a better relationship with each of the people that are following you. And it's going to be about raising up leaders at every level. That in our life groups, we would have people who are raising up to be a new life group leader and raise up other people. And then they would raise up a new life group leader. If there's someone overseeing the life group, that they're going to raise up a leader who could replace them to lead life group leaders. There's going to be a person that leads that leader and they need to be finding someone to lead those leaders and to replace them if they need to. So that that at most we would have five or so people reporting to one person where at least once a month you would be in communication. Um, and that person would be able to hold you accountable to say, are you in a relationship with someone one-on-one that you're encouraging, that you're praying for, that, you know, they can have that kind of accountability. They can't be that person for everybody in their group, but they can hold their group accountable. The safety leader can't do that for everyone in his group, but he can hold them accountable to find someone. You know, and so that's, that's what we're going to be looking at. It's not going to be fast. It's going to take a while, but we know God's leading us and we're going to follow. And so we just wanted to let, let you know about that this morning. Um, and I want to close with a scripture that we closed with last Sunday. Uh, it's a question that Thomas asked Jesus in John fourteen five through 6. He says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have to follow him. And if we follow him, we're going to end up with the Father. We can walk with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can encourage one another and pray for one another and be in relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And we can be in relationship with the body. And through relationship, we can reach out to others who don't know Christ, who don't know he's the way, the truth, and the life. But if they follow us, they're going to find him if we're following him. The last, the last thing I want to read to you is, uh, if you've never read this devotional, I, I would recommend it. It's called uh, Jesus Calling. It's a 365-day devotional, but it's literally just one page each day, so you can do it in like about five minutes. A few years ago, I would go through it every year for several years, but the last few years, it just sits on my desk. But I think in the last two years, there's been two, maybe three times where I just felt like I'd say, read today, you know, read today's date. And um, so this morning I was reading and preparing for, for this, this morning and just felt like I said, you know, read, read today's. So this is October 6th and it starts out, it says, be willing to follow wherever I lead. Follow me wholeheartedly with glad anticipation, quickening your pace. Though you don't, though you don't know what lies ahead, I know. He knows the way. We just have to follow him. And then it says, and that's enough. Is it enough for you that he knows the way? You know, we mentioned last week that part of, of following Christ, part of following anybody is you don't know where you're going. If you did, you wouldn't need to follow. Is it enough for you that Jesus knows the way? If it is, follow him. Some of my richest blessings are just around the bend, out of sight, but nonetheless very real. 
To receive these gifts, you must walk by faith, not by sight. This doesn't mean closing your eyes to what is all around you. It means subordinating the visible world to the invisible shepherd of your soul. Can you subordinate the visible world to the invisible shepherd of your soul? You can trust him. He knows the way. All we have to do is follow him. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son, that you loved us so much. You sent your son, not just to save us, but to have a relationship with us, to restore our relationship with you, to be the way. He is the way, the truth. And the life, and He is the only way to a relationship with you. We thank you that that relationship has been restored, and that all we have to do is follow Him. Father, I pray that you would give us that heart to see, to see you, to see your face, to see where you're going, that we might follow. And when we hear that voice of the Holy Spirit leading, that we would listen and that we would obey even when it's somewhere we don't want to go, that we would be reminded that we can trust you because you'll be with us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.